Welcome to Scoop Du Jour, Marcus Page, a guest I have personally been so excited to have. I assume a lot of Carolina grads and college basketball fans are so pumped to have here. Um, former North Carolina point guard, Tar Heel legend, um, and now you're playing professionally in Spain. You're joining us from Virginia. We'll get into that, but um, thank you for being here. I'm so excited to chat with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, I've seen a few episodes of the show, and I'm glad to be be a part of it. Well, thank you for watching. Um, I appreciate that. It's It's been so much fun and it's been really cool because I've been able to have like some people with Carolina ties and obviously that's not like the whole, you know, point of the show, but it, it makes it a little closer to home for me. Um, and it's really cool because you and I graduated the same year, um, the same time and kind of like got to do Carolina at the same time and overlapped a little bit um, in journalism, journalism school. Actually, Marcus, I was telling my dad, that I was doing this episode and he was like, you know what? At the journalism school graduation, he was like, remember Marcus was on the stage. <laughs> yeah. I remember they like, they asked me about that. And I, like, to me, I felt like I was just like a regular J school kid, you know, like yeah. everybody else. And then they asked me to be on the stage and I'm like, did I do something like, did I do something crazy or special to be here? And they're like, well, you know, you are kind of a big like point of visibility for the school. So I was like, uh, yeah. I guess I'll sit up there. <laughs> I mean, well, okay, that's the thing. Like when you are a college basketball player, that's so fascinating because, well, you're at a blue blood, you're at this incredible basketball, like kingdom, if you will. And for Carolina, like everyone knows who you are and people knew who like the football players were and like, you know, lacrosse at Carolina, whatever. But basketball, you're so visible. Like you said, like you see your face, you're on TV, you're in all of these things. So people know who you are. And I, I'm, I'm always curious, like what kind of like that was like as a college student, you're 17 or 18 when you get to school and then everyone knows your name as soon as you're yeah. there. Right. What was <laughs> um, that like? It was, it was hard to get comfortable with at first because you come in as a freshman and you kind of know, or you, you've heard people talk about it and you know, your teammates are like famous, like your older teammates and stuff. But then they always tell you like, wait till late night with Roy and then yeah. everything changes. So like you're on campus and like, you know, the basketball people, people who are really diehard fans will recognize you or talk to you. But then after late night, like, you know, you go out in front of the stadium and get your name up on the board and everybody, then it's like, it all becomes real. And from that point on throughout the season, anything that happens of note, you know, is like campus wide news. So it's, um, it's fun, but you know, as a teenager, it also comes with a lot of like, you're not necessarily like emotionally or mentally ready to deal with a lot of that. Yeah. The, the pressure part is, is huge. I think for any college athlete and as speaking as someone who like reported on that for people who would like any little thing becomes news, right? How did you deal with that pressure being so young and in the spotlight? Like you're not only news on campus, but you're news nationally. Was that ever like hard to deal with? Yeah, it was because with that comes a lot of like expectation and a lot of, you know, I always call it like Carolina fans are a lot of times ready to jump off the cliff. Like you could win 20 games in a row and then yeah. that 21st game, it could be, you know, complete chaos and they're ready to like fire Roy and like all this crazy stuff. And you're obviously a part of that. Like, especially if you have social media, you get hundreds of DMs and tweets after a game, good or bad. And 
emotionally regulating that, you know, uh, is something that I look now I'm 29. I, I'm like, wow, I wish I had the tools I had now to deal with that back then. But a lot of times you're just wrapped up in everything's moving so fast and you have study hall and then you have class and you have, it's, um, it makes it a little easier because you can kind of get lost in your day-to-day, you know, activities and jumping from place to place and finishing your work and all that. But at the same time, you're a kid and you're going to read the tweets. You're going to see the stuff. You're going to hear the stuff on campus. So um, I think, you know, it's tough. And I think I struggled with it at times, but I also think that I had people around me that were very helpful. You and I were talking before uh, we hit record. You are originally from Iowa and um, then you came to UNC, what was your decision like to get there? How did you decide um, to be a Tar Heel and and come to to the South and come to to Carolina? Yeah, so in high school, I traveled a lot for basketball. So I was like always sort of comfortable leaving home. I know a lot of people that I've played with and that I know through the basketball world, like, like to play close to home or whatever. But for me, it was more about like going where I really felt wanted. And uh, when I took my visit, I mean, it felt like home immediately. Like the players were so nice. Coach Williams was awesome. Um, but in terms of actually like coming to UNC, it's funny because JP had been recruited before me, like way before me. And Coach Williams basically asked him if he knew any guards out there that, you know, he would like to play with. And he brought my name up. And then from there, it kind of got the ball rolling. So I've made a decent yeah. amount of assists in my career, but his assist, you know, that, that assist before we got started was a really big one. Wait, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so then you get there, like you said, you play for Coach Williams and you play for four years and kind of want to get into um, all those years. But tell us a little bit about playing for Roy Williams um, and for those who didn't get to know him as personally as you did. Um, what was that experience like and what are some things that we might not know about from the outside looking in? Yeah, well, I think one cool thing about Coach Williams is that like, a lot of people have never met him, but they know him, you know, like a lot of Carolina fans, like they kind of imagine what he would be like based on his persona and his personality and the way he does interviews and reading his book and everything. And as someone who spent a ton of time around him, like he's exactly that, you know, there's some people that fall short of your expectation in real, like in real life, but he's like, he's one that like, hits that to a T and then even exceeds it. Like he's just so genuine, so nice. Everything he says is honest. Like he won't sugarcoat anything. He's just honest. And and that's one thing I love about him. And he's got the, you know, the Southern draw and the the, the charm of, you know, being the, being who he is. And um, he's really helped me a lot, even post my playing career, if I ever need anything or uh, talking to him. And he helped me with a lot of stuff for even my wedding, you know, something that he never needed to help me with. And, um, he's just such a great guy and I love seeing how happy he is now, like cheering for coach Davis's success and everything. So I just, I wish everyone that like admired him the way I do got a chance to meet him because they would be, you know, blown away with, uh, how he exceeds their expectations of like what a good person he is. And see, I just did all that. I didn't even talk about basketball. <laughs> like, like that's, that's like 5% of it. So he's just, yeah, he's a great guy. What you said, it, it speaks so per, like perfectly, I think, because I never met him even as a student there. Like you wave at him on campus or whatever. And at games, you're waiting outside to go into the Duke game, all that, um, or any game, 
right? Um, and I feel like I know like him. He's like he's your grandpa. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like if I saw him in the grocery store, I'd be like, hey, coach, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people do that in the grocery store. It's probably not a good example, right? But I feel like I I really know him. And I, I feel like that's such a perfect way to describe him. Do you have any fun or funny stories from, from playing under him? Oh, man. <laughs> I have a bunch. I bet. <laughs> any that come to mind? Yeah, well, I, I guess just the... Uh... The one we always, the one we always joke about is this is a basketball story. Is that Kennedy? Um, everyone knows from my time in Car at Carolina, like Kennedy and Bryce were his favorite to kind of like get at and give a hard time to because they were the key to us going from like a decent team to a championship level team, and, and they did that obviously. Um, but <laughs> he uh, he was we were in practice and Kennedy was you know kind of being not focused, not locked in. And oops, oh, sorry, my dogs. Um, and he, here. yeah, no, he's awesome. He basically was kind of like sandbagging it through practice and coach William stops practice and like walks up to him and he's like, you think you're some stud. And he's like, you know, he's like up to here on Kennedy. And he's like, 20 years ago, I would have kicked your ass. And it's like, bro, like we always laugh about that when we get together because coach is so nice and he's always so like, level-headed and yeah he gets mad and stuff sometimes but he just he had enough that day and he just got all tough and macho he just had like surgery or something so it's like come on coach like you versus kennedy i think we're gonna pick kennedy every time but if you would have asked him for real he would have believed that he'd win that fight and, and oh, really? that's just the kind of guy he is that's so <laughs> funny and so for people listening we're talking about kennedy meeks bryce johnson like big like huge basketball players too like and you know coach williams <laughs> at that time i mean he's tinier at the time right? yeah yes he, i mean he he'd had surgery on his hip his soul, oh. shoulder his knee um but he still believes you know he's got oh. that fight in him and it was just so funny to see that i love that and so those guys do you still have relationships with all of them do you still chat and get together yeah i mean we have i have like a few different group chats you know um it's hard to talk to some of them, like Bryce and uh, James Michael McAdoo, for example, are in Japan. So mm -hmm. like the time difference is like, I think 13 from here and six from when I'm in Spain. And then when I'm over there, I'm on the same or close to the same time difference as some of them. So it's it's tough because we're all like spread out around the world doing our thing. But um, there's some guys I talk to every day. Like I talk to Justin every day, talk to Kenny every day. I talk to Brandon Robinson basically every day and I didn't even play with him. You know, it's just from the Carolina family interacting with each other so much. I feel like I played with them for like three years and I we never even actually spend any time together in college. So you're so, kind I mean, of like a mentor to the next generation. Yeah, you kind of just like, it all blends together because we spend so much time together in the off seasons, whether it's like working out or hanging out or catching up on life and uh, trying to see each other because in the summers is when we're all mostly free. So um, it's always fun to see those guys. Um, I saw Luke May this year. We we went to play them in Spain because he's also playing in Spain. Mm -hmm. And we went out to dinner and it was just like one of the highlights of my season, you know, just getting to see him and spend a few hours with him, uh, see how he's doing, asking about the family and everything. So we really are all like really good friends, <laughs> which is uh, something I've really enjoyed about the whole thing. Yeah, it's like a fraternity. And um, it, it seems it seems that way, at least, like I said, from the outside looking in. Um, you and I were also talking, you know, we're getting ready for the Duke game. And I think for, for people who 
didn't go to Carolina or didn't go to Duke. It's a rivalry that is is iconic in sports and in college sports. Um, but until you're part of it, it's hard to understand. And right, like growing up in Iowa, did you have a, a grasp on what that rivalry was like before you became part of the Carolina family? I think I I think I did, you know, like, I think I thought that I knew, because um, like, I, I rooted for Carolina, obviously, like a lot of people, when they won the championship in 2005, I kind of started following them. And I was okay. like, these guys are so cool. Like, I want to go to North Carolina. Um, and then so I kind of knew that North Carolina Duke was a thing. Um, but then I got to come to the Duke game as a recruit, when Austin Rivers hit the shot. And like, I was, so I was sitting like on the baseline by the R bench. And it was really, uh, I don't know, if, it wasn't my first visit to Carolina, but it was my first one where I kind of like, I felt that it was like, okay, this is different down here. Like, you know, the electricity in the building and that game was, you know, an amazing game that ended, you know, very tragically for us. And, you know, I got to go in the locker room and see all the emotion and stuff. And it was like, oh, this is what I'm getting into, <laughs> you know. And then when I became a part of it, playing and everything, it, you know, every time it just like, you play all these games and they feel so important. And then you get to that week and it's like, Oh, those games didn't mean anything. Like this is the real, you know, this is the real deal. So it's, uh, it's everything that it's like hyped up to be. Oh yeah. So think this past year, um, this is a conversation my dad and I have together and we've had with like other people in watching Carolina upset coach K's farewell at, at Cameron and then watching the heels play the Blue Devils in, in the Final Four. Was that to you um, what it was to other fans, like kind of the pinnacle? Like, you know, especially for that team in the first year, not thinking that they would get to the national championship, let alone, I mean, even get that far and then watch them. I mean, to me, it was like, it didn't really matter what else happened. Yeah, to a lot of people, that was the case. And like, you know, I it's tough because I was in France last year and okay. it's six hours difference. So, but I think I watched maybe like 85% of the games. So it'll be a 3 a.m. tip off and I'm, I got my iPad and like got my headphones on, like pay is asleep, but I'm just like, I'm sitting there just like trying to watch these games and I'm yelling at my screen. And I always told, I always told my friends, like as soon as Kenny and Luke graduate, you know, those were my freshmen. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll probably like not watch as much and like I'll I'll be a fan but I won't be like like I am and that's just not been the case like it's every game words. yeah it, it has not it's done nothing but keep going up so uh, I was I was locked in and to see them do that and have the kind of finish to the year that they want um you hear coach Davis always talk about him just wanting so bad for each kid that goes there to like experience like what Carolina basketball is about and the ride that they went on at the end, especially beating Duke multiple times and like sending him home like that, going to the championship game was just like, I know those kids were just over the moon and I, you know, they didn't have the best season before and they started off a little slow this year, but like you can't ever take away what they did and that, that's cool. They kind of like etched their names in Carolina history. As did you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is it hard to talk about that still? Cause it's hard for me to talk about and I was just a fan and a student. So we're six years, almost seven years um, past our ending. Can we talk about it? Our ending? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we can talk about it. We can talk, can we about, talk about, it. about it or are you going to hang up the call? We can talk about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, 2016. So so actually, let's let's go through like your, your kind of four years. You played four years at Carolina, which is, you know, somewhat rare 
at, at a school like that. So freshman year, you guys make it to the round of 32. Mm -hmm. Sophomore year, same. Yep. Junior year, sweet 16. Um, and senior year, this team is like just unbelievable national championship. Um, and I, I will let you talk, I promise. But, um, <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> I think as a, a fan, when your team is in the national championship, I can, and I can actually say this from last year too, um, when you're watching your team in a game like that, and I, I remember doing the, the journalism stuff, you're like preparing for the win. You never prepare for the loss. I know every athlete says that too. So you just watch this game thinking, my team's going to win. Um, take me back to the 2016 national championship and your iconic moment, um, all the things about that game. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You don't ever think about losing or think you're going to lose. Um, I didn't think we played like particularly well in the first half and we were up five, I think, you know. Um, so it was like, okay, we're sitting pretty, you know, they're a good team, we're a good team. Like we haven't got Bryson Kennedy going yet. Joel carried us in the first half, things are looking good. Uh, and then they, they just came out and really destroyed us in the first 10 minutes, uh, 15 minutes of the second half. So we were down 10 and that's when like, you know, what you were just talking about kind of flipped on its head. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I started getting a little teary eyed. Like it's hard not to start thinking about like, damn, we're down 10, like yeah. time's slipping away. Things aren't looking good. We're not getting calls. They're making everything. And you just start, like, you know, you're still, I mean, I was a senior, but I was like 20, 22 year old or whatever. And you feel like the little emotions getting in your chest. And then I guess I just kind of, the next few minutes of that sort of blanked out till the end of the game. We just like, we just started clawing back. And I know that people talk about like the last shot, but then when I watched the game, it took me like a year and a half to watch the game. <laughs> like I, I didn't want to hear about it, talk about it, think about it, see about it, nothing. <laughs> um, when I finally watched the game back, I was like, damn, like there was a possession where there's I, like I missed the layup and like five people try to get the rebound and then I end up with it and lay it up under the basket and like I didn't even remember doing that you know it's like that's how intense the moment was and everything and then obviously we get down to the last possession and the play was to get me the ball but they actually you know coach Wright kind of like they call it like snuffed it out like they they re recognized what we were trying to do but Daniel Chef who slipped and fell so I was still able to get the ball. And then once I saw him fall, I knew I was going to have a little bit of time to shoot. And I rose up and Ryan, Archie Dak, and I did a good job of like, they caught running you off the line. So you run by a three-point shooter to not let him shoot. So I kind of just like did this to like let him run by. And, uh, and then I just, you know, sometimes you get lucky, you know, sometimes, you know, the ball gets wheeled into the basket, you can call it what you want. But uh, it was definitely a cool moment for me. And, I thought for sure after that we would, you know, get into overtime and, you know, seal the game with all the momentum we had because I remember um, looking up and they had the seat cushions in there. Everyone were throwing the seat cushions everywhere. And like, you know, all the 30 or 40 NBA guys that were behind the bench were going crazy. Michael Jordan's like pumping his fist and stuff like this is pretty cool. Uh, yeah. And then after that, I have no memory of what happened. <laughs> Just blacked it out. Yep. And then apparently they told us we lost. So I don't remember how or what. <laughs> Oh my gosh, my heart is breaking again. I I can't imagine. Um, yeah, the heartbreak. Yeah. What um what was it like? I I I hate to feel like a, a journalist interviewing you again, um, because I know you guys all went through this. But what was it like with your team after? What what? How did you all like rally behind each other? And then like you you had 
you knew you weren't coming back. Like, yeah. what was that like? I think, I think the part that made it the most difficult was like, yeah, we lost, you know, and everyone was kind of like, you know, we were sad about losing. And um, I think a lot of those guys knew that they would have a good team next year and have a chance mm-hmm. to come back and, and repeat. But even them, I think we were just like, the, we had so much fun. And if you listen to the 2017 team talk about when they went through and won it, how much fun they had, it was the same thing. So like once we got to like, you know, March when, you know, March Madness, you know, the end of the regular season to the AC tournament where we won, it was just, we had like coach let us have so much fun. We had Theo, you know, Kennedy, these, these jokesters, these guys that just always brought these vibes that were great. And like every bus trip, every, every moment, every meeting was just so much fun that I think when you lose in that fashion and the game's over and everything happens so quickly, I think the part that was hardest was that like this group didn't get to be together anymore. You know, it's like, of course we lost the game. They're going to come back and win it next year. We all know that. Like even at the time we, they, they kind of knew that like, as long as we don't have any weird roster changes, we're going to be right back here next year. But the fact that the group was done, you know, and that that was going to be the case regardless, but when you win, it kind of, it kind of carries on into forever when you lose it's over and that was the part that was kind of really hard on on coach Williams and hard on us because we just had so much fun and then boom you know you don't get to have that fun anymore so it was um it was something I'll never forget for sure um but again I still tell people that that week was one of the best weeks of my life it was so much fun and I wouldn't change any of it because if you got to tell me as a little kid that you get to go to North Carolina, you get to play in front of 75,000 people and you get a chance to win, you know, on the highest level possible of college basketball, like, of course I'll take that. And I did everything and we did everything we could to make it happen. So like, you can't, you can't wish you could redo it. Cause you know, this is, that's just how it goes. That's, that's the beauty of sports. Like that's what makes winning it so special. That's what makes being a part of it special is you get, you get your run at it and what, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Um, it's just like such a cool perspective and I'm, I'm sure it took you a long time to get there. But, yeah, I did. That's a, um, that, that's a, that is a process. Uh, what are we in year six or seven now? Like you said, like that answer was not that eight months after we, you know, it was like, oh, of course I would go back and do it, you know? So that's a older, wiser Marcus finally, you know, taking control. <laughs> older wiser but i am curious what you were like when you were little did you just play basketball did you always know you wanted to play in college i like the story that you were kind of recruited by a a teammate but um what what were you like when you were little like sports wise i was i just loved so my mom played and my dad both played at a small college called not mercy my mom coached high school basketball my dad's still coaching high school basketball so it was just kind of like basketball was in my my family, but I played soccer. I played baseball. Baseball was my favorite sport till I was like 13, um, which was something a lot of people don't know. Um, I still love baseball, but there was just something different about my love for basketball and how it continued to grow. And then I got really good when I was really little, which helped because when you're good at stuff at that age, you get really excited and you just want to do it all the time. And it kind of just took over all my free time. Like I just wanted to go practice layups, you know, (laughs) like I didn't want to do anything but go outside and shoot free throws and stuff like that. So I think, I guess you got to credit my parents with kind of like pushing me towards my interests and passions and stuff. Um, But I was, I was always into basketball. And then uh, my freshman year of high school, Coach Williams was actually at my game in the state championship 
because Harrison Barnes was playing. <laughs> yeah, so he didn't know who I was, <laughs> obviously. Okay, cool. I knew who he was. I was like, that's Roy Williams. And yeah. Harrison, Harrison's team, they beat us in the state championship, and he's the number one recruit in the country. He's on, like, magazine covers and everything. It was very cool to see in Iowa because you don't always get a big concentration of basketball mm-hmm. talent in Iowa. It's always good basketball, but, like, you don't get NBA guys like that coming through very often. Um, so then when I – when Coach Williams finally started recruiting me, I got to tell him that. I'm like, you know, you saw me play uh, as a freshman, like that that little five foot nine, hundred and forty pound. That was me. He's like, oh, you know, uh, I was a little bigger then uh, when I got to meet him. So I, I got to tell him I've grown up a little bit. But uh, that was always a fun story I like to tell. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Oh, and then, so your parents did they meet in college? Yeah, so they met in college, and then they, just, you know. My sister and I are 15 months apart, so they had my sister, and then very shortly after I come around, (laughs) yeah, uh, so we're basically like twins. People say we look like twins, like if I keep growing my hair out, (laughs) I'll basically be her, I guess, Um, and she played played at Wisconsin, and now she's an assistant coach at Kansas, so I have a bunch of Kansas basketball, yeah, I got a bunch of Kansas basketball shirts that I I leave at home when I come to Chapel Hill. Yeah, I don't think we'll be taking those out. I'm always curious, um, like, I know Roy is, like, UNC through and through, but, like, I was always, I mean, like, last year was kind of interesting, too, you know, Um, battle of of places he's coached. Um, But, okay, so you and your wife met at UNC, too. Tell us that story. So, yeah. My sophomore year, we had late night with Roy, and we do these dances, these fun little dances with the dance Tell us late night with Roy for people who don't know what that is, too. So it's basically like they the college basketball season used to kick off with, like, the Midnight Madness events all across the country where all the big schools would, like, you know, introduce their team. And it was, like, the official first day of practice. But most, most um, teams would do it right around a football weekend. So everybody comes. You get to meet the team. You do some skits or some something fun and then you play like a little scrimmage just to kind of like introduce everybody to what the you know the 2014 Tar Heels were look like or whatever um and we have a lot of fun with it coach Williams has always been a big part of like getting out there and having some fun and dancing and trying to make it less about basketball and more about just the the spectacle and the fun and it's a big recruiting night and everything so we do that and my partner I get partnered up with Taylor and like from literally the first day of practice, you know, because leading up to that night, they make us come in at night and practice the dances. So like so if we're late... paired up with dancers from the yeah yeah. Okay. So the dance team they they basically choreograph like three or four little dances, maybe like the underclassmen, upperclassmen, and then one big dance. Um, and she was my partner for all of them actually. I think all three. Um, so Monday night we used to go in. Nobody wants you know none of the guys want to do it. We're like oh, we gotta learn these dumb dances and stuff. But like from the minute that we started practicing, we kind of just hit it off, and then we started hanging out, and then we started dating, and then yeah, it you know we just never looked back from there. And was that your first year? Sophomore year. Sophomore year. Okay. Yeah. So it was funny because like my freshman year, I wasn't paired up with her, but she was on the team, um, and she was in the gym and doing everything, but we never got a chance to like interact. Um, because I'm super shy and I wouldn't just like go out of my way. <laughs> like I got so lucky that I got paired with her because it gave me a chance to like, oh. like, you know, give me like a excuse to like open up and talk to her and like be fun and like not be so shy and everything. So uh, oh. it really helped me out a bunch. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, and then ever since then, it's been, it's been great. 
And then so she, like, the dancers would travel, too, for, like, games. So she would always be at all your events. Yeah, so they would go to a lot of, like, the like the close, like, state, the Duke, that, those kind of games. They wouldn't go to, like, if we played Syracuse or anything. Okay. She, like, she never missed a home game, you know? Yeah. Um, obviously, because she was doing her thing, too. But it was always, always fun. And then I could see her when we'd come to the football games, watch their little routine, and I'd, like, wave at her and stuff. So um, it was a lot of fun. And then... Um, we basically got engaged like a year after college and married. We were married at like 23, which, you know, it's very young, <laughs> but um, yeah, five years later, we're still, still, well, I guess it's nine total, but like five yeah. years of marriage later, it, it goes fast, yeah. but it also feels like it was just kind of like yesterday. <laughs> well, and you guys have been all over the globe together. So 2016, you're drafted in the second round and you're drafted by the Nets, but the next day it's you're you're traded to the Jazz, and then so you play in the D League, G League, whatever we're calling it yeah. these days. Um, and now you're playing in Europe. So kind of take us through your pro career, where you've been, where you are, um, and all yeah. the places. Yeah. So yeah, like you said, my first year, I, I basically went to training camp with the Jazz, uh, but they had a full roster. So I kind of knew I would be playing for their D-League team. It was the D-League that year and then the G-League the next year. So their D-League team, which was in Salt Lake. So we lived there for a year and, you know, I had never been spent any time really out West. Um, so that was kind of cool to experience a new place and live in Salt Lake City. It's beautiful, like natural, <laughs> a lot of like mountains and you know, pretty snow and all that kind of stuff. And we had a good time out there. Um, and then the next year I played, I was on a two-way contract with the Hornets and the Greensboro Swarm. So I was, we lived in Greensboro, but I would be back and forth between Charlotte and Greensboro. So I got to play in my first NBA game, score my first points. Like that's like like a career milestone, obviously you check off. In North Carolina too. Yeah, <laughs> in front of people that kind of knew, knew me and were excited to see me do that. So um that was really fun. And that's something like, okay, I only played, you know, I was up with them for like 20 games and I only played in like five or something. But like, if you told the little kid in the backyard in Iowa that he was going to play in the NBA, you know, that was obviously a dream come true. And that's something I'll, you know, I'll have my Jersey and be able to tell my kids about and all that stuff. So big, huge career milestone checked off for me. And then after that year, I, because I kind of knew if I wanted to play a bunch and like, continue my pro career like I wanted to go overseas and I played three years in Belgrade Serbia which is where the current MVP of the NBA is from you know he's from uh, Nikola Jokic it's a huge basketball country and I had no idea what I was getting myself into um you know I'd never been outside the states other than like the Bahamas <laughs> mm -hmm. so like to see and experience that and just have living somewhere else getting outside of like the american perspective and like seeing that the world's big and not everyone cares about every single 24-hour news thing that's happening in america you know yeah. it was very good for me like for my own personal development and my you know political development and my philosophical development as a person to kind of get out and see the world and and interact with other people and stuff so spent three years there and it was amazing you know they they have like, we had like 20,000 people at our games, like, you know, people like with like flares and all this stuff. It's very, very awesome envi yeah. environment. And then I went to France for a year and I loved living there, but the basketball was, you know, so-so. Um, but again, living an hour away from Paris, like hopping on the train, being in Paris every weekend was really fun. Like we loved 
we did me and taylor did this like food tasting tour thing in paris one time where we just like this person just like walked us around all these different like croissant shops and patisseries and everything it was like oh it was heaven so just doing little stuff like that and i love that yeah and then my last or this season i've been in spain uh up until i had my surgery in december um and spain's just been amazing too um just a great experience to kind of bounce around the world so my first few years we were in an intra or a european competition too so i mean i've been able to go to istanbul st petersburg you know malaga spain i've been everywhere basically so it's been it's been quite a ride and i'm very thankful for that opportunity what what's kind of next or like where do you do you know do you see yourself I, I don't know so i'm going back to spain in a few weeks to to be with my team for the rest of the season even though there's a good chance i won't be able to play because it's a six month recovery. So I'll, I'll be just being ready to play again when the season's over. Um, so I don't know. Um, I know that I'm getting old. <laughs> it feels weird to say, but I'm getting older. And uh, I do, I have a very big interest in like in coaching um, and being around the game long-term. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a chance that that might be in the cards at some point. Um, it's just for me kind of figuring out when I want to stop playing. Um, and, you know, that could be now, it could be in five years, like who knows, but uh, I do really want to get into coaching. I used to, people used to tell me, like, you'd be such a good coach and I'd fight it. Like, no, I'm going to be on TV. I'm going to use my journalism degree. <laughs> uh, but as I've kind of gone through my career, I've realized like my passion is towards like being around other basketball people and like getting a chance to develop people and like, use basketball ideas and concepts and my brain's always like I'm watching the Syracuse game last night you know and I'm just like marking down plays and thinking about different concepts and like all this stuff so that's always what's happening in my mind so I'm like maybe I should listen to to what's going on in here a little bit <laughs> and it's in your blood I mean your dad and your sister and um it sounds like you kind of have like this mentorship relationship with um some of the guys that are playing or have played so seems like it's kind of in the cards like you said yeah there's, there's a good chance that I'll just keep getting drawn that way I mean my yeah. sister always tells me about how much she loves it Aww. she played one year overseas and then but she knew she wanted to coach right away so yeah she, she you know she got the ball rolling and she just always talks about how fun it is how rewarding it is like seeing your kids kind of develop and then I think about my time and like my relationship I had with some of my coaches you know coach Davis's first year as a coach was my first year uh, cool. in school so like I talked to him a lot and the impact he had on me I'm like well maybe I can have that impact on somebody that would be that'd be pretty cool <laughs> so um, it's definitely something I'm interested in well that's a good segue into one of my favorite questions which is um what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten from someone best piece of advice that is that's a tough question <laughs> um piece of advice you live by or Anything yeah. Like well, honestly, the funny thing is my third grade teacher, he, <laughs> Mr. Hines, he basically had, he had two rules. You know, a lot of classrooms have a bunch of, a long list of rules, what you can do and can't do and everything. And he only had two rules. And he said, these two rules will cover everything you need to know as a person for the rest of your life. And it was respect yourself and respect others. And that was it. And I think about all the things I've done and all the mistakes I've made in life and all of the learning bumps and, you know, along the road. And it's like, 
the mistakes I made were either because I wasn't respecting myself or respecting someone else, you know, and, um, that's, it's, it's such a simple thing, but it's like, man, it's really stuck with me. And, and I do feel like it's all encompassing because we we're all in this together, figuring out what, what the heck's going on in this world. And if you're able to respect yourself, respect your own boundaries, respect your, you know, your desires, your passions, whatever. And you're also mindful and respectful of other people. Like you should be all right. <laughs> I like that. Cause I, um, I think really like we learn the most and like, third, fourth grade, you know, like elementary school, obviously, but I learned so much from my third grade teacher. Um, so if she listens to this or if Mr. Hines listens, um, yeah. I think they'll be really proud that. Yeah. You. Yeah. Cause like, I feel like a lot of times we overcomplicate things and you know, some of the basic principles of life are pretty simple. So if we stick totally. to those, we will, we'll be in a, we'll be in a good, we'll be in good shape. When you um, have traveled to all these places, whether it's in the States or not, do you have a favorite place you've been to or coolest place you've played? Man, um, I think my favorite place I've played so far is Belgrade uh, in Serbia. And like, it's such a cool city. It's such a basketball city. The food is like Balkan food is like by far the best food I've ever what had. <laughs> so it's like, it's like a lot of like barbecue, like barbecued meats mm. and stuff. But then they, because of where it is geographically, they have like a heavy Mediterranean influence and like Mediterranean food's awesome. But then also like a big Italian influence. So like they kind of cover everything. Um, and they just have some of these little specialty like things that they do that it's just like, oh, I can't even explain it. But I would, I would go back there just to eat in a heartbeat. Well, I mean, um, that like makes or breaks a place. Is it true that you became a Serbian citizen? Yeah, so I got my second year. I got my I got a passport from them. They basically just asked me like, if you're, I signed a contract extension, so then they knew I was going to be there for three or four years. And like, do you want a passport? And I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, because in certain leagues overseas, like in Spanish league, for example, which is probably the best domestic league in the world outside of the NBA, obviously. Um, they count you different as an American versus a European versus, mm -hmm. you know, other places. So you're only allowed to have a certain number of people. So the passport is like a beneficial thing for me to have in my career. So when they offered it to me, I was like, sure. Like if I'm allowed to get one, like I'll take one. <laughs> it's no problem. Was it um, like a hard thing? You know, I mean, becoming a U.S. citizen is very difficult. Was it like a, were there hoops to jump through? I think a lot of the hoops to jump through were made possible just because of the the role that the clubs play like sure. they're they're you know it's they're a big deal over there yeah. so they're kind of able to make things happen that might otherwise take a long time so yeah. um other than that I, I didn't ask too many questions yeah <laughs> no I, I mean that's so cool like to say that you have dual citizenship yeah um when you you mentioned the nba and i'm curious if growing up or even now you have someone who you model your game after or just kind of a a basketball player that you really admire well so when i was a kid um vince carter was like my favorite player of all time and i like north carolina and i wore number 15 my whole life until yeah. i got to college and pj was already pj harrison was already 15 and i was like no this is bad i want to wear 15. <laughs> and then so, so he you know my freshman year he was there my sophomore year he was there and then um just never would leave yeah and he got su suspended or whatever and then my sophomore year is when I was an All-American and I got my jersey qualified to go up in the rafters when I graduated. But I told Eric Hoots, who's on staff, I was like, I want to change my number to 15. Like, I, I've always wanted to wear 15. He's like, dude, 
your jersey's going up in the rafters. You're not changing your number. <laughs> I was like, come on, man. So, so uh, I stuck with five, and my sister always wore five. So five was always a number I also liked. But 15 was always like, if I could wear 15, I would wear it in a heartbeat, and I would change it. And then they didn't let me because I did a good job in number five. So. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, I haven't looked at my notes, um, but you broke the UNC record for three-pointers. Is that you remember that? Yeah, it was we. It was a home game, and Shimon Williams was there because he's the guy whose record I had, had broke, and he gave me a ball and everything. It was very cool. But I finished with two hundred ninety nine, and they always give me a hard time about like, dude, you couldn't have got to three hundred. And I was like, well, if you guys remember my senior year, there was a stretch in January where I made like one out of twenty two from three. So it was like, that's probably what did it. Also, by the way, don't they not count postseason? I'm not sure. I'm not sure how they do. I know in the NBA, the stats yeah. are separate for regular season and postseason, but I don't know mm -hmm. how they do it in college. Um, I think they do count it. Oh, they do. Also, you know, if we had gotten to overtime, I might have made one too. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't for Chris Jenkins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He robbed me of one more three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when, okay, so when your jersey goes up, do they, they invite you back and that's after you graduate? Yeah, so... I think they played, they were playing Virginia and me and Bryce did it together. So Bryce, cause Bryce, our senior year was a first team consensus all American. Um, he was ACC player of the year. No, I think Malcolm Brogdon won an ACC player of the year, but he was, I mean, Bryce was incredible. So he got his up or he got his qualification his senior year. So we did it together because I mean, we lived together for four years. He was the best man in my wedding. Like we were the odd couples, what they call. So <laughs> it basically made sense for us to do it the same night, and somehow the schedule and the timing worked out. So we both came back for the Virginia game, and it was a really, really special night. Like my parents were down in town, and um, that's another one I'll never forget. Like me and him holding our jerseys together as they as they go up. So um, it's only fitting that they're up there next to each other because of how much time we spent together in college. Yeah, best friends. Actually, my so I have two Jer Carolina jerseys. And, um, you know, when you guys were, if you got it from the student store when we were in college, NIL wasn't a thing, so it couldn't, you guys didn't make anything no, from it, but no. I <laughs> five, okay, so our, my, our senior year, they, they switched it because they were selling your number. Um, and then didn't they switch it to like selling like one and like 16 or something for the year we yeah. got But do you remember you played um, in... You do you remember? You remember um, uh, Madison Square Garden the, against UCLA, and it was the black. Yeah, it uh, was um, it was Barclays, but yeah, it was oh, in Barclays. New York. Yeah, yeah. See, with I the all remember. black jerseys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I have that jersey, and I think it's so cool that like limited edition. It's not like most Carolina s, but I just thought it was a cool thing to have, and I had. No, it was it. super cool. Oh, you do? Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, You're welcome. I didn't. I didn't um, get any money from that. But. No, I didn't get any money. But so, we always okay, talk I, about that. Like me and Justin talk about that a lot. Like going into my junior year, after the sophomore year, I had like you know I was on the cover of some magazines. Like I was picked as preseason national player of the year for by some publications and stuff, which you know might have been lofty, but I liked it. You know, it was it was great. It was a kind of a nod to what I had done the year before and they're like yeah, the NIL money would have been you know for me for Justin for a lot of those guys we, we talk about like what would we have been pulling in uh, but I'm just happy they finally let some of the guys you know like there's so much money in big time college sports like it's good to see the kids you know, the kids that was how I feel old it's good to see the kids like 
recoup some of that because they're the ones that are, you know, driving that, that revenue. Yeah. That's a sentiment I've heard from a lot of people. It's like, uh, there's not like a, a bitterness, but there's like a, thank goodness it's finally happening. Um, but you know, I, what if, you know, it, yeah, for sure. Have, for sure. You know, um, cause it obviously would have, like we're talking about when you're one of the five starters on an iconic basketball team, everyone knows who you are not only on your campus, but also just across the country. Um, yeah. and I think part of that too is like, you know, most people know who the quarterback of, of Georgia is and who of, of Bama is, but when you wear a helmet, right, it's, it's harder to know yeah. who like, the starting offensive lineman is. In basketball, like your face is so recognizable too, right? Because it's um, on TV for, for yeah. 40 minutes a couple times a week, especially. Yeah, in basketball, like it's a team sport that leaves a lot of space for individual greatness, you know, because it's such a free flowing game. And like you said, you're very visible and there's only five people on the court at a time. So you, you can make your impact and people will see that. So it really is a, a, a special opportunity. And I think it's, it's good to see our guys now taking advantage of it. And like, I know I always think about like, if I had, opportunity for some of the NIL stuff like the money would be great but I would be trying to get like free Chipotle and like <laughs> that kind of stuff like my college mind is wouldn't even be thinking about anything other than like can I get Bojangles to just give me free biscuits all the time and all Bojangles. so someone at Carolina has a Bojangles deal I think so I think yeah. Armando well, Armando has a lot but uh <laughs> so okay what would be your like go to what would be your dream sponsorship would it be like a food yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, definitely like, well, now I'm like, I never drank a single cup of coffee my entire four years in college. And it's funny because like Taylor's always like, I couldn't make it through the day without coffee. But now that like I've been around Europe and like the way they like kind of just like sit around and have coffee or like have a little espresso after dinner and stuff, I've kind of become one of those people. Yeah. So I would want some like some type of like free coffee thing where I could just have like an unlimited amount of coffee and espresso just like shipped to my house. That would be perfect. An espresso if you're listening. Yeah. Uh, still is playing basketball. So <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so you guys like what else do you guys like to do? And you have some free time now that you're recovering from your surgery. What else do you guys like to do in your free time? Yeah. So this is basically like the first time during the season where we've had like a long stretch of time with nothing going on. Well, I have nothing going on. She's working. So we really just like to we're just trying to take advantage of like seeing her parents because they live close by and hanging out with our dog winston he's our little chihuahua that we actually got him our first year away from home in salt lake and he's gone everywhere with us so he's oh. been like he has a little puppy passport and he's been all over the world <laughs> with us and we have pictures of him at the eiffel tower and stuff so he's so like a little baby yeah um so other than that i mean we like to go to movies and just kind of like really just embrace having our downtime and, and chilling. But then in the off seasons, we try to do a lot of stuff because we basically have two months or so out of the season where we can go travel and see friends or, you know, knock off some different like places to visit. Like we go up to New York this last past summer, we went up to New York and saw a couple Broadway shows. We shot, we saw, we saw the music man. And then we saw MJ the musical. Cause I'm a huge Michael Jackson. How was that? They were both amazing. You know, I was like in heaven watching the Michael Jackson one. And then um, I think the year before we saw, it's with Bette Midler and David Hyde Pierce. What is it called? Oh, Hello Dolly. Oh yeah. So that was amazing. Um, so 
she's kind of gotten me into that. And we just, you know, we just like to kick it and hang out and have some fun. And uh, whenever we get a chance to see our busy friends, um, try to see them. So um, we're at that stage in our life where everyone's finally started starting to like get settled into their career, or, like moving around different places. So it's really hard to keep track of all your friends, but whenever we can see them, we get really excited. You also mentioned like baseball being your favorite sport. Do you have a team you root for? Uh, I just picked like, so when I was a kid, I liked the Red Sox because they had that magical run where they beat the Yankees and, and Manny Ramirez was like my favorite player. But then a few years ago, I kind of got back into baseball. So I just picked the Blue Jays because uh, okay. they had a lot of likable guys like Vladdy Guerrero and uh, Teoscar Hernandez and stuff like that. So I just picked them randomly, but I kind of just kind of watch as like a casual fan. Okay. And then your other teams, do you root for any pro teams? Or are you like college? I'm a player guy. So in NBA, like like I said, growing up, I liked the Raptors because Vince Carter played for them. And then Chris Paul was my favorite player for a while. Um, so I just followed, I'd like the Clippers and then I'd like the, you know, <laughs> OKC for a year, wherever he was. Yeah. And then as I've gotten older, older, now I just root for my friends. So like I watch all the Boston games because Justin's, you know, on the Celtics this year. I'll check in on the Mavs because Theo is, you know, living the life out there in Dallas. He's got his podcast going. Yeah. <laughs> so just we'll basically, have him on here. yeah, trying to follow my my friends and and watch that. And then I just watch a ton of basketball, like as a as a basketball junkie. So I get enough even without having a team. <laughs> getting ready for your coaching. Well, it's a very like cool and um, casual thing to say, like you just get to watch your friends in the NBA. But I think that- Yeah, um, I guess that's a matter of perspective. Like, yes, I but it's very yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, finally, what is on your 2023 bucket list? Oof, that is a good question. Um, you know, we were thinking about going to London. I've always wanted to go to London. And I hope we get a chance to go. So I think I'm going to put that on my list as as something to do because um, once the season ends, we'll have some time. And I just want to go to London. I don't know. <laughs> London and Athens are the two cities I haven't been to that I really want to want to go to. So uh, like I said, we like to travel. So hopefully we'll get a chance to do that. It's really cool that basketball has provided you an avenue um, to be able to do that too now that you get to play in Europe. Um so it's, it's cool that you get to like bounce around, you know, I'm sure it, it has its ups and downs, but that seems yeah. like a, a cool, um, a pro of playing pro, um, abroad. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it would be nice to be able to like be around my family more. Like my parents just came and visited me this past weekend and it was the first time I had seen them since, uh, I don't know, sometime in the summer. So, you know, um, it's hard to go six months at a time or 10 months at a time without seeing your family. Um, you know, but I won't be playing forever. So I'm trying to enjoy the, uh, the process of getting to see the world and getting some life experiences and making some money. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, this has been such a blast chatting with you and kind of reminiscing and kind of brings me back to my fun days at Carolina and all of the memories. And, um, I think even folks who aren't Tar Heels will learn something and take something away from this. So thank you so much for taking the time and for um, all of your insight and for taking us back. I know that was uh, a hard <laughs> moment, but your perspective is so appreciated. Um, and it was just really cool to just like kind of be able to like, like go through, like be part of your, your brain for like all of those moments. It was really neat. Um, 
And yeah, just a, a Tar Heel legend, a basketball legend, and um, wish you nothing but the best in your, in your recovery. Um, and we'll be cheering for you from here when you're back in Spain. All right. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> you having me on.